So we've been talking about faith in real life. How do I live out this journey with Jesus? And uh, it's Father's Day. So we're going to talk about that in light of fathers, you know. Happy Father's Day, guys. You know, I think sometimes as dads, sometimes I think we get a bad rap, you know, like going into Father's Day, like because of some of the stuff that we do, for instance, right? Like, like this, this was entitled, Why Dad's Not Allowed to Charge a Playtime Anymore, right? But this is like a perfect example. Like Dad's like, yeah, that looks awesome. That looks fun. And sometimes the rest of the world looks just like, what are you doing, right? And so I just want to say that I think sometimes as dads, we can get like in our culture, men get this bad rap. But I want to celebrate dads here today. And here's why. Because you showed up here today and you're a father. It means that you have been working at letting God do something new in you because you want to be the kind of father that makes a difference in the world. So if you're a dad here today, will you stand up so that we can celebrate you? Go ahead. Just stand up. You're a dad here today. Can we celebrate them? Thank you, fellas. Thank you. And we, always, we always joke on staff that like the gals on staff when we're coming up on Father's Day, they'll be like, hey, what are we going to do for Father's Day? You know, because we always make this big deal of Mother's Day, and we're like, yeah, all the dads know it doesn't work that way, gals. Like, we all know, right? Like, it doesn't work that way. It's like, what do you want? I, what do you want to do tomorrow? Like, how about, how about we have burgers? Okay, well, we'll give you the burgers, and you can grill them, right? Like, that's, right, yeah. So we all know dads. We're like, hey, we love our families, and that's what, a, and Father's Day is about this moment, just to be with them and to look back and say, well, I'm glad, God, you gave me this role. So here's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because when you look at the statistics, dads, of, like, influencers in families, influencers in the life of your family, the statistics clearly model out, they clearly show over and over, that as a dad, you are the greatest influencer in the life of your kids. The statistics lay out, lay that out in the spiritual life of your kids. The percentage of influence, the influence you have, the percentage of kids that will return to their faith because you were faithful is much higher for you than it is for mom. Sorry, mom, but it's true. The influence that you have on dads, on your daughter's view of her sexuality is all on you. Like that's where they learn it from. I know it seems like opposite, but that's the way it works. The, the view of your sons and their confidence in who they are and whether they could actually be loved by God, that's that, that lays on your shoulders. And so it's no wonder, dads, that it's not easy being dad. I mean, there has been a lot laid upon our shoulders. And so today we're going to talk about a question that I think, if you're a dad, you should be asking. And that's, what kind of legacy am I leaving behind me? What kind of life am I leaving that leaves a lasting legacy? I think that's a good question, but it's not just a dad question. The reality is, that's a great question for every single person in the room today. What's, what's the reason that I'm here? And that's the legacy question, isn't it? I mean, have you not ever asked this question? What is my purpose? I mean, God put me on the planet. It has got to be more than just breathing oxygen. I mean, God created you. And whether you know it or not, you didn't happen by accident. You didn't surprise God. He's known that you were going to be here before you were born, and he planned out good works for you to join him in to make a difference. And so the question becomes, you know, like, when I leave the planet, what are people going to say about me? 
kind of legacy have I left to the people I love in my life? It doesn't matter whether you're 15 or 55. That is the right question. That's a good question for you to ask. Now, the thing is that none of us are perfect. Not one of us showed up today and have our act all together. Not one of us are going to live out tomorrow with our act totally together. We are broken. We have things. We, sometimes we feel stuck in our growth, and that's frustrating to us. We wish we were farther than we were. Sometimes there's somebody else in our life, right, that we want. We're trying to influence them, and they're not where we want, that we want them to be. And sometimes we could try to rush that process, too, to try to get them to where we want them to be, as opposed to saying, God, where do you want them to be? And sometimes I think the frustrations emerge a bit out of thinking too short-term, too small. Like we think the next year, the next two years, the next five years, where are my kids going to be? Where is that person going to be? What's going to happen there? When God's work is happening over a much longer term, and what we can't even imagine, God can imagine for that person and is at work in their life. And sometimes we're like, when is it going to happen? And God's like, oh, don't you worry. I'm at work. I'm doing something you can't even dream of. So we got to expand our thinking. And I think that's what Paul wants to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and that's where we'll be this morning. If you want to follow along, follow along to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because he is encouraging us to get a new perspective on what kind of influence, what kind of legacy we can leave with our family and our friends and our coworkers, the people that God's put in our lives. And it's important for us to get God's perspective on legacy, because if we don't, we can end up thinking that legacy is about chasing our dreams, about accomplishing what we want, about what, whatever we thought was important. And God has some things that he says, listen, in light of all eternity, I want you to understand what's really important. Now, if you remember, let's just do a little review of where we're at in this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. In chapter 1, we talked about how Paul said, listen, God wants to partner with you. He wants to empower you. He is reminding you there is only one well to drink from. Don't go all over the place drinking from these other wells. Drink from God. Let God fill you and partner with you and change you and empower you. And then chapter 2, he says, listen, the way that works is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a force or an energy. It's a person. He is a person who has promised to indwell those who follow Jesus and put their faith in him, and you can count on him. And the biggest thing that you can do with the Holy Spirit, the biggest how-to with the Holy Spirit is simply this. Give him consent to work and say, Holy Spirit, come and work in me. Come and reveal truth to me. Come and do that work in me. Then Paul turns in chapter 3. And in chapter 3, after he tells the Corinthians this, he says something that we probably all need to hear. He says, listen, that is all true, but I want to say one more thing to you. He says, this is what God has for you. Like, more than you can even imagine he has for you. But your lives still reflect that you value the wisdom of the culture more than God. That your actions and your attitudes are almost like short-sighted, like this life is all there is and all that matters, and that even though all those other things are true, it's almost like you've compartmentalized them to like there's something else than your whole life. So Paul says, I want to talk to you about that. So he says, and this is the way he ends chapter 3, he says, chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, he says, stop deceiving yourselves if you think you are wise by this world standard. You need to become a fool to be truly wise. You need to, you need to act like 
you're doing things that seem foolish to the rest of the world if you want to become truly wise in God's kingdom and for eternity. And he says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Does this sound familiar? A sound like maybe another scripture that you've heard in Corinthians, like Paul's returning to something. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, our theme verse for Corinthians, it kind of sets the pace for everything that Paul tells us is this, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. In other words, God's smarter than you and me, than the whole world combined. Like God's so smart. God's so intelligent. God has this great wisdom for you. And here's the thing with being God, his ways aren't like ours. What seems crazy to us because we can't see the whole picture, because we don't understand how the whole thing really works, what seems crazy to us is just the way God works. And, and we can misinterpret things. We can live our lives differently than God because, I mean, for instance, if you're living by the world standards, right, you can begin to think things like accomplishments really matter in life. Like, it's about what you accomplish in life, that you've got to achieve something to become better, to become more worthy, to get something, to become greater, to be recognized as, look, I'm really somebody. Have you ever done that? And yet, in Matthew 25, what's Jesus say? He says, listen, and he says this all through the Gospels, the least of these is the greatest. Pay attention to the least. Because in the kingdom, some of the greatest. Or we can, we can be deceived to think that, like, if I just had more money, I could make a bigger impact. If I just had more success, if I just had more popularity, if more people just liked me or accepted me, then I could really do something. I could really be something. And yet in John 15, well, actually even earlier in John 4, Jesus rejects all of those things. John 15, he reminds us, apart from me, None of that matters. The only thing that's important is what flows out of your relationship with me. We can start to think like clinging to our happiness, clinging to our dreams, clinging to what we want, clinging to what we have. That's what's really going to make a life and a legacy and a life that matters. Because that's what everybody tells us. Hold on to that stuff. And yet, you know what Jesus says? He says, loosen your grip on all that stuff. If you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. If you loosen your grip on what you think you have to have, I'll reveal to you what I can give you. So I think Paul, this is what he wants to remind us of. And in this chapter, all these images that he uses, point us back to one thing. And I want to give you this foundation as we go in this morning so you can really grasp what he's trying to say, that you are precious to God. Like you are someone that he is paying attention to. You're not just another face in the crowd. He knows your name. He's written it on the palm of his hand. He's considered the purposes and the gifts and what he wants to give to you. You're not just another pretty face in the crowd. He cares about you. And you can make an impact on others. And this is Paul's message. That legacy is not about our hard work, or about our success, or about our popularity, or about our money, or about our security, or about our happiness. Legacy, a lasting legacy, 
is the outcome of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That's what legacy is really all about. Loving God so much and being loved by him that out of that flows this enormous love for others, this life that when it touches others, when it comes in contact with others, it is like the living Christ is in their presence because you are in their presence. And it draws them closer. See, that's what Paul wants us to understand. And there's, if we look carefully at the images he's about to show, there are a couple questions, two or three questions I think will emerge that might help you consider, what is my legacy? What's going to be important about my legacy? What do I need to address in my own life today? And so we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, begin to understand what those are and let those questions emerge today. So verse 6, this is what Paul starts with. He's talking to the Corinthians. He says, listen, I planted the seed in your hearts. Like, I'm the one who showed up and planted that seed in your hearts. And then another fellow came along. His name's Apollos. And Apollos watered that seed. He watered it. But he says, but here's what's important. It was God who made it grow. It's not so important who does the planting and who does the water. And it's not some competition of, like, I get all that, like, oh, look, I'm more important than you. Or I, did, I had a bigger impact than you. What's important is that God made something grow, and you got to be a part of it. That God changed a life forever, for eternity, and you were a part of that. There is nothing that is more impactful than that, and I guarantee you. You can climb Mount Everest, you can do all kind of amazing things in your life, but when you're part of someone else's life change, when you're part of someone meeting God and knowing him and being transformed by him and knowing that they're loved by him and changes it for all of eternity, that does something inside of you. That stirs something deeper than anything else that you'll ever do in your life. And what Paul begins to paint a picture of here is this one thing, that legacy is not about what, it's about who. It's easy to get distracted, isn't it? That, you know, with all of our to-do lists and all the things we have to check off and all the things we want to accomplish in our life, that we begin to think that legacy is about what? That our life is about what? That our purpose is about getting something done, accomplishing something. And God says the one thing that you ought to be focused on, Paul says the most important thing to be focused on is the hearts of others, changing one heart at a time. It's about a who, not a what. So I want to pause for a minute. I want to watch, we have a Father's Day video I want you to watch. And it's meant to inspire you as dads. It's meant to, to, to uh, allow you to cultivate in you what, what it could be like. It paints a picture of that, the importance of our role. It honors all of that. But here's what I want you to watch, whether you're a dad or you're not a dad today, and ask yourself this question as you watch it. Am I a little distracted by the what? And who are the who's in my life? Who are the people in my life that as I watch this and the impact of it, and I think about the impact of my life, that I want to pay more attention to? Let's watch the video. After every catch he makes on the baseball field, he'll look to you to make sure you're smiling. When her friends make the fourth grade pep squad, but she doesn't, she'll look to you for comfort. 
When she feels misunderstood by her brothers and sisters, she'll look to you for understanding. They'll never stop looking to you. When she walks down the aisle on that magical day, she'll look to you to bring peace to her anxious heart. When he plays his first concert with his new band, he'll look to your face in the crowd. When she makes choices that will break your heart, she'll eventually look to you for forgiveness and restoration. They'll never stop looking to you. And you can never stop. You must never stop looking to God. They don't need you to be perfect. They just need you to be authentic and offer them Jesus anyway. They need you to try your very best. And even if you fail, they need to see you rise up again. They need you to follow hard after Jesus as best you can because they will never stop looking to you. Son, I'm writing these words to you because you are and always have been the legacy I've wanted to leave. And now it's your moment. It's your chance to leave a legacy of loving Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. They'll never stop looking to you. And that's the way God created it to be. Guys, what a beautiful gift that is to know. I hope an inspiration to you, but I hope even more than that. I hope that you see that what's really important there, that wherever you are, whether you're a dad or not, that the, it's about the who's people in your life. It's about people. It's not about what. It's about who. It's about your investment into them. And it's about the life change that you bring them because you know Jesus. Like that's the greatest change you can bring anyone in their life is what God wants to do in their life. Because God is the one who heals God is the one who transforms. God is the one who does miracles. That's all God's work. That's all God's work, and he wants us to be part of it. And it brings us in verse 6, as you look at like this planting of seeds, and this watering of seeds, first of all, you're not alone in it. You're not the only one in it. In the Father's Day video, it might be right that, that they're going to look to you, but you're not going to do it perfectly. And God has surrounded them with lots of other people who are going to do that work in them too, because it's not just about you. Like God, it's about you joining God. And out of this emerges a question. And this is the question, what is my role? God, what is my role? This is a question that we all need to ask. I, I think one of the most amazing parts of following Jesus is this. I, and I don't understand it at all. Jesus came, Jesus came and he died. He was resurrected. He redeemed us. He doesn't need us at all. He didn't need 12 disciples to change the world. God doesn't need you to change someone else's life. God doesn't even need you to be a parent. He could figure that all out on his own. He could have created the whole population without it. 
And yet he chose to create you in his image. And do you know what that means? The Imago Dei. You are created to be someone who invests and changes others' lives. And I don't understand that, why God would think that my pitiful ways, my brokenness, my imperfection could ever be part of a life-changing plan in somebody else's life. And yet there it is. God saying, Sean, I want you to be part of this. And he's saying the same thing to you by name. He's saying, listen, I got a purpose for you. I want you to be part of my plan to change the world, to transform people's lives, to make a difference in this world. I want you to be a part of that. So you can either just live this life where you pretend that you get all everything you want, or you can live this life that I want for you, that I've designed for you, that is going to transform and leave a mark forever because it's going to change people's lives because you join me in doing miracles. Now maybe that looks like sometimes just saying, can I sit with you and listen because you're going through something tough. Maybe sometimes that looks like saying, hey, can we grab breakfast or lunch together? I'd love to get more connected with you, help you maybe get more connected with God. Maybe sometimes that looks like just saying, can I pray for you? And then not just saying it and then walking away, but actually praying for someone. The impact that that leaves because you brought God into their presence and you've helped them get into God's presence. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that our life is having until much, much later. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you are walking with God and your life is being transformed. And if you're trying to join God on that, you can look around and say, like, what, what's really being accomplished here? What kind of change is really coming to someone else's life? And you won't know that till much later. I, I remember working in the marketplace and, um, and at Rite Aid. And I worked at Rite Aid for probably 20 years. And so I had relationships with lots of people over that time. And one of the coolest things that happened as I just tried to live a transformed life is when I, I remember getting a phone call from someone that said, hey, it, I, I, I want to know a little bit more about your church because my dad, my dad said, my, my dad doesn't go to church, but my dad remembers working with you and said you should go to his church. Now, that's not to brag on me because I'm a broken guy. It's to brag on Jesus. God was at work. And that's happened multiple times for me, like adults that I worked with whose kids now come to Daybreak, whose kids came to Christ at Daybreak, who, who are now off in the world making a difference. Because God wants to do that through your life. You know that? God wants to change the world through your life, through your impact. And you've got to ask this question, though, what is my role? Because your role isn't just to sit down and go, God, while I'm doing all my stuff, I hope that you're working in other people's lives. God's inviting you to be a part of it. To say, will you be a part of the life change that I'm working? Will you just pay attention to where I'm moving? Will you step into the messiness of it and join me in it? Plant the seed, water it, cultivate it, re-engage with your kids. Ask them what they're learning. Be intentional. This is, this is real. God says, invites us to it and says, you'll do that. You'll get to experience what I'm doing too, and that will change everything. And then Paul goes on to continue to paint this picture about how our lives can have an impact on others. He goes on and says in verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose. And both will be rewarded 
for their hard work. For we are both God work, God's workers. He's talking about himself and Apollo. He said, listen, we're God workers. We're both God's workers. If you're joining God, you get to be a part of something big, and God expects it of you. God invites you into it. God gives you the privilege to be a part of it. And he goes on to say, and get this, he says, you are God's field. He's talking to the Corinthians. He said, listen, you're his workers, but you're also his field. You are his building. God's paid attention to you. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid a foundation like an expert building, and now others aren't building on it. In other words, you have a role. You play a part of it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay a foundation other than what has already been laid. The one that we already have, Jesus Christ. And if there's something that you should underline in that passage, it just comes up over and over and over. It's the word foundation. We should lay a foundation. We should be careful to the foundation. Paul says it over and over and over, and I think this is why, because it is easy to lay a foundation other than Jesus and think we're doing good. It's easy to build a foundation of financial security and say, I'm going to build this financial security for my family or for somebody else. I'm going to be financially secure, and that's, I'm going to do that and then ignore your security in Christ, that only God can really give you security. You can begin short-sightedness because of that. Or you can lay a foundation of self-improvement and help your kids be the very best they are and always be improving yourself, but not really have this connection with God and where he's doing something, and you don't really get to experience that you're so loved by God. He doesn't need you to work for it. Or you can lay a foundation of success and happiness for yourself and for your kids and engage them in all kinds of things and take them all kinds of places and have them be part of things and be exhausted by it. Because in the long run, you're like, what kind of foundation is really important for us? And when you look at the image that Paul paints, and this is the real beauty of this, is he says, listen, I'm not just a face in the crowd. You are God's building. He's paying attention to you. You are God's field. He's working and cultivating in your life. You, it's, remember where it starts? We, everybody, we all have the same purpose. This is what Paul says. We all have the same purpose. What is that purpose? To transform your life. To give you healing. To connect you with the God of the universe who created you. That you might be changed. That God is at work. And all of our purposes are the same that God might change our lives, and that we might help others experience a life-changing journey with Jesus. Now, that ought to sound familiar, like a mission statement of a church, certain church that you are attending currently, right? That's our mission, to help people discover Jesus, to help people deepen and cultivate that relationship, to plant the seeds and to cultivate, to water them, while God does the work of life change through a relationship with Jesus. Because that is the ultimate goal. And this is where the, the question emerges out of this imagery that we should ask ourselves. If we're going to leave a legacy, and that's, what is my goal? What is my goal? If the outcome of my life is a life change with Jesus, then what is my goal? Because there are a lot of goals that we can set in life. But if it's about who and not what, we have to be careful because, and we've all done this, right? Like, hey, I have this goal to build this business. 
I have this goal to further my career. I have this goal to lobby for a cause. I have this goal to get a good college fund for my kids. I have this goal to move up the ladder, to have a nice house, to provide a nice way for my kids. And that is all great. But that is all you sauce. You understand what I'm saying? It's all things that you can do without God, and lots of people do. Lots of people accomplish all of that without God, and they get to the end of the life, and people say pleasant things about them. But it was all about you and your you-sized goals. And what Paul is inviting us into is to join God in God-sized goals that you could never accomplish on your own. That there is no way it could happen without him. Things like loving your kids with a transformed life in such a way that they have a faith to return to. When that faith becomes their own and they're like, do I really believe this? They go, I'm looking around at all these other people in my life and I know some people who live with purpose. I know some people who live with love. I know some people who have been transformed and even though they're broken, they're authentic and they're real and they have a real relationship with God and I want that. Or how about this one? To love your enemies. You got any enemies at work, at home, at school? You got some people that like, they just feel like they're fighting against you to love your enemies. You can't do that without God. That's a God-sized thing, to truly love them, not just to like be nice to them, but to truly love them. It's something only God can do. To forgive someone who has betrayed you, someone who has hurt you, that's not something you can do on your own or that you're going to want to do on your own. Only God can do that. Only by you saying, God, you've got to do that. To be a part of someone's life change that you think is lost cause, you think could never happen, and you might love them, but you're like, God, how is it ever going to happen to soften their heart, to bring them healing, to bring them change? It's only a God-sized thing that you say, God, I will participate in it. I will pray for it. I will desire it. That's a God-sized thing. That you might be an instrument of love, but it will only ever be an outcome of what God's already done in your life. And so if your life is poor in the reception of God's love, if your life is too busy to be transformed by God, you cannot give away what you have not received. And that's why Paul invites us into this, like, to remember our goal, to remember our role. And it's only this, our goal and our role is to connect people with Jesus. It's not for us to accomplish the work in our you-sized way, but to allow God to accomplish the work, to connect people with Jesus who need to discover him, who need to deepen with him. Say, let me help you get connected with God. Let me tell you my God story. Let me pray for you. Let me bring God into the presence of the situation. So that he can change it with his grace and his goodness. Legacy is not about you making something happen in other people's lives. Legacy is about you recognizing that God is at work in other people's lives and joining him. Knowing your role. Knowing that he is going to bring them healing. That he is going to bring them into a relationship with himself. That he is going to do that work. And you just ask yourself, God, how do I join you in this? How do I get the privilege of being a part of this? Paul ends his imagery with this one last picture. And I, this one, for me, has a big crater in my life. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when I was in college, I was coming to Jesus. I read 1 Corinthians 3. And I read this 
part of this passage, and I never forgot it because it gave me a picture of what my life was like, what I was about at that point in my life. Even as I began to follow Jesus, I realized that I had piled a whole bunch of stuff up in my life that was all about the what's, not about the who. And that one day, one day, I when I get to heaven, I want that to be something different. So here's the passage, and then we'll read through it, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So it says in verse 12, anyone who builds on that foundation, remember the foundation is Jesus. Anyone who builds on the foundation of Jesus and Jesus alone may use a variety of materials. What are those materials? Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. Do you see where... See the progression here of the material? See where Paul's is like, you can use anything, but be careful what you use. Verse 13, but on that judgment day, now Paul's talking about a day, so there's a judgment day for everyone. Like, you're not, if you don't have faith in Christ, there's a judgment day that you will stand before God and you will be judged. And if without Christ, you will not be found righteous. With Christ, you will be found righteous. His grace will cover you. But for all believers, there is also a judgment day. He says, on that day, you will stand before God, and he will inspect how you have spent your life. And on that day, right, there is going to be a judgment. What you use to build, gold, silver, hay, straw. Sounds a little bit like the three pig story, right? Except, he says, there's not going to be a wolf that's going to blow your house down, but there is going to be a test of fire. And in that fire, and here it is, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. And if the work survives, that builder will receive a word. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping a wall of flames. What's all this mean? I remember getting this picture as I read this in college, as God was doing this work in me in college, and I just got this picture of my life. Like I had this big wheelbarrow of everything that I had focused on and all the energy that I dumped my life into up to that point, and then I was coming to that fire on Judgment Day, and I was dumping the wheelbarrow into the fire. And the flames began to jump up because there was a lot of, straw and hay and wood. There wasn't a lot of gold or silver or jewels. And what was left was ashes. It was a gift to me so that I wouldn't spend my life wasting it away on what didn't matter. And I'll never forget that. It changed the trajectory of my life because I said, I want to kind of want to live a life that matters. I want to live a life when I come to that day that there will be great reward. I won't just have built a big fire. I won't have just thrown things in that just get consumed. That my life will have an impact that is worth it. See, we're God's, we're God's construction team. You get to join him in this. You get to have this moment when you get there that's important. And valuable. But he says, be careful what you're building into other people's lives. Be careful what you're using to build. You see the progression of your choices emerging there? I mean, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been walking along 
and just found gold and silver and jewelry? Like, do you just, when you go for a walk, does it usually just lay around on the ground? If you want gold and silver and jewelry, what do you got to do besides go to the jewelry store? What do you got to do if you really want it? You got to dig for it, right? It's, it's not just on the surface. It's not just accessible. I mean, you could get, you want wood? Just go get some. You want hay or straw? Just wait for one of those days in between seven days of rain at my house when the grass is just this high and I'll mow. You can have all the wood, the hay and straw you want out of that. It's just right there. You just got to grab it. Paul says, if you go after what's easily accessible, go after what's just right there and feels good, you know, the aha. Oh, I got a good aha. Oh, I learned something new. Ooh, like, and there's a season in your life when you're first coming to Jesus, right? Those things are big. Those, like, those things that later will feel like wood, hay, and straw are like gold and jewels. She's like, I didn't know. I didn't know there was grace. I had no idea what this means. I've been trying to earn God's love. And you say he's given it to me? Like, that's jewels. But as you walk with God, see, and you start to invest in other people's lives, Paul's saying you've got to dig. You've got to dig deep and give something of meaning to them, which probably isn't going to come out of that five-minute devotional you had in the morning that you forgot about an hour later. Felt good about, I checked something off the list. Paul says, you can go check all those things off the list. That's wood, hair, straw. You got to seek for it. Right? You, you want the gold and silver, you got to be desperate for it. You got to go with desperate prayers to God and say, God, I need you in my life. I want you in your life. I am desperate for you in my life. You got to be willing to go through some times of pain and suffering, right? Because gold and silver is scraped out of times of crisis. That's where that comes from. If you're, you've gone through suffering and you're like, I don't like this, I got some encouraging news for you. That's where the gold and the silver's coming from. You got some painful things in your life? I got good news for you. That's where God does his best work. That's where the good things come out so that when you give something away to someone, you have something of substance. You build on a foundation that has substance because it is the work of the Holy Spirit, because of the work of Jesus. It's not something that you did or you accomplished. It's something that you know that could only come from God. That lays a lasting foundation for others. And here's where the question emerges for us today. How is my soul? If you want to set a trajectory that makes a difference, you've got to ask yourself this question on a regular basis. How is my soul? And here's why this question is important. It causes you to slow down. You can't just say, like, am I doing all the right spiritual things? Because you can do all the right spiritual things and your soul can still be a mess. Because how is my soul is not about am I accomplishing the right things in my spirituality. How is my soul is am I truly connected with the living Christ? Am I connected with a God in the way that matters? Is there something, God, that needs to change? You have to engage with God in a relationship for that to happen. And that's going to take some effort. You have a friend that we talk about this a lot. And he preaches this to me, and I need to hear it. But, Sean, grace is free of earning. You don't have to earn God's love anymore. You don't have to try to prove something to God to make him love you. And it's good. For, I, man, I need to hear that message preached to me a lot. It's something that's just down deep in me that God's still extracting out of me to say, no, God, you really do love. I'm going to start there. 
You know, you're, I'm loved by you. But then we talk about it because he often feels a little bit like, so I've got grace, but now what do I do with that? Like, God, what, what is the transformation? I'm just waiting for it to happen. And I said, listen, salvation means grace is free, but you still have to work it out. You still have to work out your salvation. There's still effort involved in relationship. I love the way Dallas Willard puts this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. God's love is given to us, but if we got a mind for those deep and intimate things of substance in a relationship, and you know that this is the way it works, right? In your marriage, in your friendship, in your relationship with your kids, it doesn't matter. If you're not willing to put any effort into it, you're not going to mind intimacy out of it. Really meaningful relationships take some effort to be vulnerable, to be real, to say, I want to be engaged in this. We've got to be engaged with Jesus in that way. Enriched by Jesus that we might enrich others with Jesus. And here's the good news. All the things that maybe you've tried to accomplish, all the things, all the hard work that you may have been trying to put in to be more spiritual or to have successes or to, to lay the groundwork of money or to, to try to be popular that people will like you, all of that stuff, it's such hard work. That's so exhausting. God says, that's not what's important. He says, legacy is built on an outcome of your surrender to give him consent to do that work in your life, in your efforts to build a relationship with the God of the universe who deeply loves you and wants you to join him in his purpose. It's about a relationship with Jesus. That's all. You do that, you begin to bring the living Christ to others, and it will change everything in other people's lives. So this morning, I wonder, as you're sitting there asking yourself those questions, like, is there a who in your life? Like, I've not considered what my role is with them. Maybe you've been overplaying your role. You were trying to convict them, and you're like, oh, that's God's job. My job's to plant a seed or to water, hold a baby. How do I connect them with Jesus? Or maybe this morning, you're reconsidering some goals. You've had some things that you've been dumping your energy into. And as you hear this this morning, you're like, I've been not working off of God's agenda, I've been working off of mine. I think that needs to change this morning. I think I need to ask God about that. Maybe this morning you hear that question, how is my soul? And if you were authentic about it, answer it this morning, you'd be like, it's not good. On the outside, it's fine, but on the inside, it needs to, something needs to change. Something needs to shift so that I can have this connection with God that is enriched, that Jesus is alive in me, that there's a fire burning again. So I just want to invite you to pray with me this morning, to be changed by that. Can you bow your heads this morning? Holy Spirit, I wonder what you want to speak into our lives today. I wonder what you might want to say to us about the role that we might play in someone's life, that you put in our lives, that we might make an impact. I wonder what you might want to say about the goals that we have, that we need to repent of, that we need to say, God, I've been trying to do all of this, but it's going to go in the fire and it's going to burn. God, don't mean to have your goal. How many show up on that day with a smile and a celebration of the great reward?
I wonder what you might want to say to us about our soul this morning that's tired or exhausted or discouraged or maybe even inspired. How you want to meet us and transform us. So God, this morning, I pray that you would inspire us to be people who leave a legacy, to people who leave a lasting impact on our families and on our friends and on our coworkers. Remind us that you do that work with us, that you invite us to be a part of something amazing but that is an outcome of our relationship with you. So please, Lord Jesus, please be alive in us. Reignite a fire in us, Holy Spirit. Change us. Transform us. Don't give up on us. God, today, help us to learn to love and be gracious and connect people with you. Reignite that fire to know that when we leave the planet, the greatest thing we will leave, the greatest thing that people can say about us will be that when they were with us, they were with Jesus. And that's what drove them to follow Jesus. God, will you do that work in us today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning,